Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk to you about why I reject clients. Uh, That is, I, I tend to say no a lot more often than I say yes, which means that I decline or defer the opportunity to work with Uh, prospective clients a lot more than I take on clients and uh, solely and predominantly for the reason that I think it's in their best interest that not everyone is ready for advice not everyone should pay for advice and I'm not the right advisor for every single person out there and I thought it'd be good just to talk about the top five reasons uh, why I do that uh, so that you can consider in your own situation uh, not not that necessarily you're going to come to me for advice but if you're going to seek advice from an advisor how do you know when is the right time for you because the challenge is or as Warren Buffett says you never ask your, your barber whether you need a haircut because you know what the answer is going to be uh, so really if you want uh, independent opinion about whether you're ready Uh, to get advice given your current situation. Uh, Maybe you can consider some of these five reasons when I say no or not yet uh, and uh, and apply that to your own personal situation. Before I do that, I want to share an observation with you. And the observation is that a financial product is really easy to buy and really easy to sell, but tailored advice is very difficult to buy and very difficult to sell. So what do you mean by financial product, Stuart? Well, you know, a financial product is really a kind of off-the-shelf um, uh, bit of advice, a systemized bit of advice. You know, and look, there's lots of businesses out there, for example, selling property investment plans. You know, come to us and we'll design a property portfolio that's going to help you retire on a certain amount of income or so forth. Um, the, the difference, though, to tailored advice is that you don't know what the advice is going to look like, you know. And if you're dealing with a good quality advisor, the advisor might have a hunch based on their experience of what the advice might look like, but until they actually do the work, they don't really know. And that's really where the value is. The value is is they're helping you um, solve a problem where the answer isn't known yet. And so that's very distinct from buying a product because the value with the product is derived by the system that's used in order to develop the advice. So if I was going to go out there and market property investment plans, it's relatively easy. I just need to use our financial model and say, here's what the parameters we typically use. You put your income in, you work out how many properties they can afford to hold. That's what you recommend. You give them a cash flow forecast. Bang, the work is done. I don't really need to... uh, I can then go and hire a bunch of people. I don't really need people... Um, to be able to sell or do that work that have a significant amount of experience. And so when you buy a financial product, you know what you're buying. You, you know what the likely advice is going to look like because they can give you examples of previous plans and you know what direction you're heading in. Now, am I saying that buying a financial product um, isn't worthwhile? No, for some people, maybe it's a perfect solution. But what I'm trying to Uh, communicate is you need to understand the limitations that a financial product um, has and whether that's going to suit your situation or in fact whether you need tailored specific advice. Um, Now if you're running an advice business like I am, selling a financial product is much better 
and it's because it's very scalable. You know, it doesn't rely on Stuart Weems to sit there and do the actual work. Um, and so a lot of businesses uh, turn their advice into a, a financial product. And again, I'm not picking on them. Maybe they're, they're, I'm sure they're doing a fantastic job, a lot of them, and, and they believe in what they're doing, but it's not the same. It's not the same as getting tailored advice. The, the, the work that I do is not scalable. You know, I've um, got 20 years of my own personal and professional experience. I've seen the good, the bad and the ugly. And I can help my clients uh, through all the experiences, the, the positive ones, the successful investments that I've made personally, of, I've seen clients made. And the non-successful, unsuccessful ones, I should say, that I've made or that clients have made. And clients can then learn from those uh, mistakes or learnings or experiences so they don't repeat them, or at least they repeat the good ones and don't repeat the bad ones. Um, and uh, whereas with the financial product, typically what you're getting is the science, is the modelling, is the understanding of tax and um, financial products and those sort. That's the science. The art part, because delivering good quality tailored advice is part art, part science, the art part really only comes from experience and that's not scalable. There's only one Stuart Weems, thank God I hear you say, there's only one Stuart Weems. So um, from a business perspective, it's not very good because it's not scalable and you can't really, um, you know, I can't take on a thousand clients tomorrow. It's just never going to work. Anyway, so I wanted to just talk about the difference between tailored advice and, uh, and a financial product because sometimes people, I've seen people go and pay $5,000 for what is a financial product and be very disappointed at the end because it's not really what they were looking for. Okay, let's put that to a side and let's talk about the five top five reasons why I uh, reject or defer to work with particular clients. The first one is lack of surplus cash flow. So, a pr- prospective client needs to have a surplus cash flow. So surplus cash flow really means they've got money left over every fortnight or month after paying for all their living expenses and financial commitments. Um, without a surplus cash flow, it's very difficult to build wealth. I'm not a magician. If you've got nothing to invest, then I can't invest it, obviously. And so if you're spending all every all your income, everything that you earn, the only thing I can do as a financial advisor is counsel you to reduce your, your spending Typically, you'd need a minimum um, surplus cash flow about $1,000 a month, $12,000 a year. The more, the better. And the more you have, the more value I can potentially provide because then we're putting that money to good use. If you've only got a very thin or small uh, surplus cash flow, then there's not a lot I can help you with and it it, um, diminishes the value of financial advice, in which case I'd be saying to you, you don't need to pay for my advice just put it into super or do something like that. Um, it can be really challenging if you've um, got a young family to build wealth. So sometimes if I meet clients and they've got young kids that aren't in school yet, um, typically their income is un- unusually low and their expenses are unusually high. Very difficult to find an investable surplus for a lot of people. And, and I would typically say for people in that situation, come back when the kids are in school um, maybe um, both parents are working a little bit more at that point, their income's higher and uh, childcare costs are ridiculous. Uh, so your costs are probably reduced as well. The second reason is too much debt. If I meet someone that is already very highly leveraged, then I'd be saying to them, just repay debt and come back to me in a few years' time when you're in a better net asset position. Um, 
there are points in the cycle where debt reduction is the most important thing, more important than super contributions or additional super contributions or investing in other assets and so forth. So debt management is really important. And if you have a lot of debt, just focus on getting rid of it before you go and seek advice, uh, potentially. Third reason, too much uncertainty. Now, of course, in life, there's almost always uncertainty. There's always going to be reasons why not to invest, why not to do something. I'm not looking uh, for a period of time where everything is known and there's no uncertainty. But if there's a high level of uncertainty, like people are contemplating moving overseas and working, changing jobs um, or occupations, uh, a potential redundancy in the pipeline, these sorts of things, I will say, let the passage of time deal with it. And typically within one or two years, the uncertainty disappears and it then uh, makes it a lot easier to develop a long-term strategy. Now, you don't, don't wait forever. You know, I'm, I'm happy or comfortable in most situations to wait a couple of years to see if the uncertainty disappears, but I'm not going to wait 10 years, obviously. You need to start planning at some point. But there's no point putting a, a long-term strategy together today for only everything to change in 12 months and then we have to rework it. You know, there's just a complete waste of time and money for, for everyone. So if you're facing a lot of uncertainty, often the best thing to do is just wait a little bit of time and the passage of time typically sorts it out. Okay, so the fourth reason is borrowing capacity. Um, now, not all strategies include a level of borrowing to invest. But if a client is in the 30s or 40s or even early 50s, most strategies include some borrowings. So if I think uh, the best thing to, for, for you to do is borrow to invest but you can't borrow yet, then I'd be saying um, come back when you do, when, you, when, when your situation changes and you do have some surplus borrowing capacity and then we can work out what to do. Um, that's obviously if I think that in the future borrowing capacity is going to change. If you've got zero borrowing capacity now and you're going to have zero in the future as well, then we need to come up with an alternative strategy. But a lot of times I can meet younger people and uh, you know they're at the beginning of their journey and they don't have any borrowing capacity now, but maybe in a couple of years it will change. In that situation, I'd say go away and come back in a couple of years. And in the interim, just focus on debt management and reduction. And number five, which is the last uh, example reason why I would decline to work with a client, is that we're not aligned methodological or philosophical point of view. So that is, they have a different investment methodology or philosophy in their own mind and it's not aligned to mine. Um, I don't believe we need to speculate with client monies. You know, I believe strongly, as I've spoken about in this podcast before and in my book, Investopoly, that we adopt evidence-based strategies. That is, that we don't invest in a, in a we don't adopt a, a, a methodology or invest in an asset unless there's overwhelming evidence that that rules-based approach has produced the desired results in the past. If there's not overwhelming evidence, then all we're really doing is speculating. And you may as well just go to a casino and gamble because that's complete speculation and has a 50-50, in most circumstances, 50-50 probability of, of working. Well, I don't like that probability. We don't need to do that. We can stick to an evidence-based uh, approach. Um, so if clients don't um, uh, unalign to the way we're going to invest them, if we're going to buy a property, it's going to be investment-grade property, it's a buy-and-hold strategy, it's for capital growth, or if we're going to invest in the share market, we're going to have 
uh, a lot of diversification using various different um, rules-based index fund approach approaches. You know, if, if a client doesn't uh, really believe that's the best way to build wealth, then we're never going to see it eye to eye and it's going to be very difficult to build a long-term relationship. In a way, I guess the methodologies that we, that we employ are a little bit like a religion. You either believe or you don't believe. Uh, and if you're a non-believer, it's going to be very difficult. The second thing is, um, can I add value? You know, there has to be, in my mind, if we're going to take on a client, um, in my mind, in the long run, let's say 10 years, I want to make sure that I've, if I've picked the right client, the fees that I have charged will be completely immaterial. I want to make sure that in 10 years' time, a client looks back and goes, well, Stuart was an absolute key part of this journey and the fees that I paid him were nothing compared to the results. That's the aim. If I'm not confident that I can do that, then I just won't take on the business. I don't need to. There's there's lots of people out there that uh, need help and that are willing to let me help them so I can choose the ones that I truly believe I can help. And ultimately, that's going to provide me what I really want. And what I really want is um, uh, the, the conversations I've had with long-term clients that I have today. And we reflect back and go, well, look where you started and look where you are now. And I feel really satisfied. I go home at night and feeling satisfied, okay, that I've played a role in helping them achieve their financial and lifestyle goals. And that that's why I come to work. That That's what really makes me happy and gives me a lot of satisfaction. So therefore, I'm really focused then on making sure I'm picking the right clients, that I'm able to add tremendous value so that um, at least my advice is actually um, really changing my clients' lives. Sounds a bit altruistic, but you know, that, I'm not going to work with just anyone. I need to obviously add value. Okay, so there you are. There's the top uh, five uh, lessons. Probably the, the key thing I'd like to leave you with is that advice is part art, part science. And um, you just need to understand that. And you need that the art bit makes it very difficult then to um, buy or appoint a financial advisor because the art bit is completely subjective and unknown. You've, you've got to then get an understanding of, you know, does the person have enough experience? Do I like them? And do they know what they're talking about? Um, that's the art part. The science bit is really, okay, do they know, know off about tax and property and shares and do they have the right methodology and those? They're fact, factual-based questions, typically a lot easier to assess and, and, um, and understand. But you can't get good advice with if you're just using all science and you're not going to get good advice if you're using all art. You need almost equal proportions of art and science to deliver fantastically valuable tailored advice. Uh, so there you go. There's the top five reasons why I say no to clients. Uh, perhaps you can use this information uh, to determine whether you're in the right position uh, or whether now's the right time to get financial advice. I hope that's been helpful. And as always, until next week, bye for now.